everyone, and welcome to Televisions, the podcast, an audio companion to the Televisions website and a show made by Anglophiles for Anglophiles. I am Lacey Bogger-Miles, and I'm the editor here at this rodeo. And joining me as per usual is my co-host and associate editor, Miss Annie Bondo. Hello. Hello. How are you today? Well, we are struggle busing on the technology front, guys, so... Uh, <laughs> Uh, thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers, I guess. Pray for Mojo. <laughs> uh, we just got to get through like 45 minutes without some piece of the things that we use to make the show crapping out. So I believe it us. Come on. We can I'd, do this. Like, what is, is it clap your hands? Clap your hands if you believe in Tinkerbell. Yeah. Yes, it is. But it's also clap your hands and 30 seconds of silence for the sound guy. So let's not do that. <laughs> let's not do that. Mark will get confused. Anyway. Um, I will say the line today. What are we talking about today? Um, to, it, it is the halfway point of the year. Um, so we are doing our 2022 half year best of. It's kind of crazy, right? Like before we started recording, Annie was like reading down a list of things that like we'd either written about already or sort of talked about on the show or things that we had wanted to get to but hadn't, and like. I think at least three times I was like, wait, that aired this year? So it's this will be an episode full of surprises for everyone, I think. Yeah, I mean, this is this this year has actually been quite good, full of television. I mean, it yeah, to be fair, it's also been sort of like, you know, a giant tidal wave of television. Yeah, that's the other thing that came up when we were talking before we started recording was that there's a lot of these things that one of us would read them and the other would be like, oh, I meant to watch that. Right. And I didn't. So yeah. maybe part of this episode, instead of being like, things we think are great, will be like, things I assume are great, but haven't seen yet and plan to get to. Well, between the two of us, I think we've seen a lot. Um, And, you know, I will admit that both of us have sort of stuck to our lanes in the things that we got to. Um, But that's not such a bad thing. Um, Honestly, I... Uh, there, there are a lot of stuff that was really good this year that probably um, I wasn't expecting to be so good. Uh, you know, Around the World in 80 Days being like the first one that comes to mind. Like That was one of the ones that I was like, that aired this year. Yeah, I know. But also at the same <laughs> it feels time. feels like a like, thousand years ago. But at the same time, like, that was also good. Like, I wasn't, I, I came in very, you know, I came in worried because I thought, you know, it'll be very patriarchal and Lacey will hate it. Um, it'll be kind of. I mean, I guess it's the trade-off I get for assuming I was going to like Hotel Fortofino. Yeah, I suppose that's true. <laughs> um, but I was really pleased with that. Um, you know, All Creatures, as always, was great this winter. Um, you know, we had a very good winter. Um, you know, we, we we had Around the World in 80 Days. We had All Creatures. We had The Gilded Age. We had The New Macbeth. Like, it, it, there's been a lot of good stuff in the early uh, in the early part of the year. Um, but, you know, there's also stuff that we didn't get to from the early part of the year. Um, I, of course, we talked about Bridgerton, but um, I never got to write about Murder in Provence, which was one that I really wanted to get to. Um, for those who don't know what that is, it's um, basically, it's a, it's a murder mystery. Um, and it stars Roger Allen, um, who everybody should know from uh, Endeavor. Um, and he's basically, these are... Um, these books are. This is actually based on a series of books, and uh, it, it's 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 it, it was only three episodes, and they're they're sort of it. So it's very endeavor-like in that way, um, and they're on uh, they're on BritBox, and uh, this is kind of a basically a. a 
uh, Alan plays Antoine uh, Antoine Verlac, um, who is an investigating judge. Now, that may not make a lot of sense to us, but just sort of go with it. Uh, the French judicial system is very different from ours. Basically, he's a judge who actually goes around being like a cop, and he basically goes around solving crimes in uh with in in Provence with his partner um Marine, uh who uh is played who played Marine? Oh, Nancy Carroll. Um, so the two of them are just delightful together, and uh, Patricia Hodge is in it, and uh, who from uh, from All Creatures, um, and it's it's just a delightful little show. It's it's really light, it's really fun, um, it's really easy to get through. Um, there's all as I said, it's only three episodes. They are feature length, so it's you know in that in that same sort of Endeavor way. Um, and honestly, knowing that Endeavor is coming sort of to an end, um, I've been sort of like watching to see where. Sean Evans and Roger Allen and some of the others end up and I think that Alan could do a lot worse than to turn this into like his yearly gig in 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 place of uh, Endeavor I did not watch the show to the shock of no one I assume (laughs) but I will say that I always support France just being France and being gorgeous oh it's it's just honestly like it can, it, it's partially because you know this was at the point this was at the height of Omicron and we couldn't go anywhere and we were all stuck at home and I just genuinely loved being able to just stare at the scenery you know like honestly I would just watch these guys hang out and eat cheese and drink wine in Provence and there's some murder mystery solving while we're at it and that was really nice uh, I think that means it's my turn to talk about something that mm-hmm. I liked that we haven't talked about And this is not COVID escapism in any way, but at the beginning of the year, a, I guess technically it's, it's a movie. It's a made for TV movie. Mm -hmm. Um, It's called Help. It stars Jodie Comer, who just very deservedly won a BAFTA for her role in this. And it is sort of like, it's really, it's about the, it's about the early days of the COVID pandemic in the UK and especially in an assisted, an assisted living facility, which as we all know, because it happened everywhere, got hit very quickly and very hard by the virus and no one knew what to do and no one had any PPE. And it's really, it's really intense in the sense that it feels really real and it almost feels a little, is this too soon? Sort Mm. of. But it's the performances are really great. It's really scathing about the failures of the government and the health system in the UK that did not support people, were not there when these caregivers were in crisis. And it's just re- it's really well done. And of course, I will watch Jodie Comer like star in a Purina commercial. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't take much. But she is wonderful in it. Um, I actually uh, want to point out, you know, we here in America, you know, there was a level where the fact that things fell down um, didn't surprise us because we don't have a nationalist system for our hospitals and everyone's sort of left on their own. And there's a lot of private hospitals and there's a lot of underfunded hospitals all around the, uh, all around the United States. So I think that really sort of, there was a level of shock in the UK over the NHS's failures that didn't exist here. Um, that mm. we don't appreciate that I think this movie sort of brought to the fore. It's really like there are parts of it that are just incredibly harrowing. Like like Jodie Comer's character ends up basically like trying to go into into one of the patient's rooms who's like coughing and sort of choking on their own effluvia. 
but she need, there's nothing there's nothing left in their building so she's making ppe out of out of a hefty bag and it's re- like it's very it's not easy television and if you're still sort of traumatized and wrestling with how you feel about the things we've learned about the world in the wake of all of this maybe don't watch it but put it on the list for some point in the future because it's really really well done um you know one movie we did cover was macbeth um which is still one of the best shakespeare's i've seen this year um Mm -hmm. although i will admit i have there has not been a tremendous glut of shakespeare for which i am always upset (laughs) um actually my next shakespeare is going to be the live performances from the folder here in dc over at the national building museum so uh you know i i i grading on a scale i suppose but i really liked i really liked the macbeth and i really want apple to do more of those sorts of things and i see them they've 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 uh there there's a uh, talk of a, a riz ahmed Ham- hamlet that he's been trying to make and i'm really hoping that apple or some other streamer picks that up and brings that to us because that looks really fascinating I feel like I read somewhere that they are going to pick up that doc. Somebody's picking up that documentary about like Ian McKellen doing the oldest Hamlet. Oh, Hamlet within. Yeah, I just I desperately want to see that. Yeah, uh, that 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 went up for auction recently, and I'm hoping that I I didn't see where it landed, but I'm hoping it 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 gets a distributor here in the states too. Um, you know, even if that's a little bit extra Hamlet, I don't I don't I, there it can really never be too much Hamlet, can there? I mean, there can be unless people do some judicious editing. I still remember that <laughs> Kenneth Brown of Four Hour one that oh, like, literally man. had every line, and it was it was rough. Oh yeah, I do remember that. So, um, some of the other things we talked about that were also really good. Um, you know, Sanditon was not as good as I'd hoped, but it was better than I expected, which is sort of a uh, damning with faint praise. I was, uh-huh. uh, I-, I did love Bridgerton, um, despite its flaws, and it had flaws. Um, uh, I have I have talked at some length about my feelings about the failings of Bridgerton, but it's still just a it's a great escapist time. Like I don't, I do, I don't think season two is as good as season one, and it had, you know, problems, including the fact that it doesn't particularly make either of its leads terribly interesting or complicated characters. But well, eh. I uh, I I actually am quite amused and a little relieved that season three is skipping directly over Benedict and going to Colin, you know, go directly to Colin and Penelope. Do not pass go. Do not collect 200 pounds. I'm really here for that. I mean, that's what the people want. It's true. Um, so I'm, I'm not complaining about that at all. I can't even remember, like, what did Benedict even do in this season? I don't even remember him. He did art. He does art. That's what he does. He does art in the background and every so often he has sex with somebody. (sighs) Um, something only, that we, only rich men are allowed to do this, by the way. I know. Just saying. Um, something that did come, something from, from the early spring that we didn't get to talk about, um, which I know that we did a few posts on, but I don't, I don't, I don't know if you actually got to it. Uh, Jamie Dornan, who, uh, uh, I absolutely love, um, he, he was in this thing, uh, it's, uh, it it was on HBO Max. It's called The Tourist. And there's actually going to be a second season. Which I don't really understand how there's going to be a second season, given what I know of the show itself. But that has never stopped anyone before. So... I, I Okay, so I checked this out partly because it's from the same writing team that did The Missing and Baptiste. And Ugh. I was really curious to see, because this was called Comic, and I wanted to sort of see how it worked. I wanted to see if they could manage comedy. I kind of went, I admit, I kind of went in with low expectations. How in the world is this premise a comedy? It's like a dude who wakes up with amnesia in the Australian outback and is being 
I don't know, stalked by the mafia or something? I'm not sure. I didn't actually watch this, so take all of my commentary with a grain of salt. Um, Yeah, it, basically, Jamie Dornan is an Irishman who wakes up in an Australian hospital. He has no memory of who he is or how he got there, um, but there is a local cop um, who's played by Danielle McDonald who steals literally every scene she's in. She's amazing. Honestly, like, I feel like you should watch this show for her because she's the kind of character you would totally love. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Um, and you know he has a kind of a girlfriend who's this waitress um, uh, who's one of the actresses from Line of Duty um, it's just it's it's really well it's it's fast paced like you you really want to just keep clicking and keep watching episodes and since HBO Max dropped it all at once over here um, it was uh, it, it, it was just it was a really nice fun way to spend an afternoon um, it's only six episodes and yeah they're all an hour but like you can just get right through because there's only six of them it was I, I really liked it and I, I, I I'm, I'm looking forward to season two to see what they can do next with it because you know in the same way that I, I sort of wondered how they would do a second season of the missing and then a second season of baptiste um you know honestly like considering this is one of the better ones they've done i i was i i, I want to see what they do with more of it i said this before we started recording and i really can't remember the actual name of this film but it was a film that i saw when i was very young and it was about a guy who is sort of being chased by like a demonic 18-wheeler truck and that is just the entire vibe that I get from this and part of the reason I don't think I want to watch it is because I don't want it to disabuse me of that notion <laughs> oh that's funny um I uh oh, another thing we never really talked about on the pod but um we did cover on the blog rather extensively was Harry Wilde um oh that's another I love Jane Seymour but mm. Um, really this was kind of a this was a very standard mystery um, in this. If, if Murder in Provence had like, you know, it had real talent going for it and a lot of fun and a lot of uh, stuff in the background so that you could just stare at and 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 a strange judicial system to sort of puzzle over. Harry Wilde was a little bit more basic. Um, it was it was very simple. You could sort of figure out the you could figure out who did it halfway through the episodes. But it was also, you know, it was if you like mysteries and you want something that's very comfort TV, I found it to be very comfort TV. And, you know, I I I was a fan of Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman in the nineties. I think I think Lacey was too. So, you know, seeing older actresses, you know, I, there there's this sort of wave of older actresses that didn't used to get work um after a certain age who now do um let's all uh, exhibit a being hacks i definitely support support that yes i abs and and i feel like this sort of falls into that same category of you know e e even if it's not the greatest of tv it doesn't have to be you know like just this is this is nice comfort mystery television that's fun and and easy and you know especially at the point when this came out which was uh, sort of towards the end of Omicron and I was sort of I just needed something to turn my brain off and this was great for that. <laughs> mm. I will take your word for it. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, Janet uh, recapped it for us, and I, she had a lot of fun with those recaps. So I, I you know, I, I just I really enjoyed it. I got a sense that a lot of it was about Jane Seymour drinking wine, which is something. <laughs> yes, I, yes, she does. Which is something I also just, as a general rule, support. <laughs> um, there was the Gilded Age. Um, how did which we, we talked we talked about that. I think quite a bit, but I ended up like, I, it's funny, the further removed I get from it. And I don't know if that's just because I'm for, for forgetting the particulars of how annoying uh, Marion was, 
but I, I am remembering it more fondly. I think it's just because it's like uh, another editor friend of mine was like, this show is glorious nothingness. And, and that is, I think, incredibly true. Yes. That's a very good way of putting it. It is glorious nothingness, but man, was it pretty to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Uh, other shows that I feel should get a shout out. Um, it, you know, Call the Midwife is nice and staple. Um, and this season, except for real- this season, except where, for like, this body season. parts are falling off. Right? Like I really no, body parts are falling off, and yet no one dies in a train crash. Are you kidding me? I I I want to I want to cite call the midwife not because i feel like the season was its best season but because it tried something new um i i don't know if it always worked um i don't think i ever need to see a man's foot fall off ever again Mm -hmm. um but i do feel like you know as this show hits its second decade you know it does have to shake things up a little bit and i do feel like it tried I'm not sure it succeeded, but it did try. And I appreciate when shows try. <laughs> you know, unlike Killing Eve, which I felt like just sort of ran did off Did not run. try. Did Actually, not. was the opposite of trying. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I, I, I think it also helped that, see, that, that, that season 11 aired at the same time as Killing Eve. So that, like, I had that, um, I, I, you know, it had that, that, you know, it could be a lot worse kind of thing. Um, Ridley Road. Um, I really I liked it more than I thought I would quite a bit more, but I just am a little tired of Nazis. To be honest. I, I, I don't blame you for being tired of Nazis, but I'm very glad that this, you know, Masterpiece has been sort of, uh, you know, stretching out. It's trying new things. I really liked that we did a Nazi story that wasn't World War Two hmm. um, and taught history that people have 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 struggled to bury and and and, and tried to forget especially now it's it's i i know that there's a level where we don't want to talk about it because of especially now because ah. nobody wants because for heaven's sake if i want that i'll i'll turn on i'll turn on the news i mean the news hour is there and it's all there and etc but i i did really like ridley road i was more impressed with it than i thought i would be and honestly of all the masterpiece shows this year um, as much as I liked Around the World in 80 Days, and as much as I have a soft spot for all creatures in Sanditon, I feel like Ridley Road was probably their best offering. Argue with I, me. <laughs> I still got I still got to give it to the animals. I just think that show is like exactly the show. All creatures, I mean. That is like exactly the show that arrives when we need it. So it's hard to not, it's hard to not pick that. Plus the season was good. I will say... For piggybacking off your history that shows should make more of, I will jump ahead a little bit in sort of the calendar to the second season of Gentleman Jack because we sort of got a reader request about it. Okay. I, I Like, during this whole beginning, I've been struggling to find this email in my inbox, which is a dumpster fire. I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh, You will never reach inbox zero. I'm so no. sorry. <laughs> no. I, I think that's a myth anyway. Like those 3D paintings that if you look at them long enough, like a pirate ship jumps out. I think everybody's just sort of tacitly agreed to lie about that together. <laughs> uh, anyway, ahem, this email comes to us from Rachel, who makes a bunch of good points that I am just going to read to you rather than summarize. I will skip the opening paragraph where she tells us how much she likes us and the community that we're building and that Aww. we all love cats, which is true. Thank you, Rachel. Ahem. Send us cat pics. However. Yeah, right? Rachel, send us some cat pics. We love cat pictures. 
Anyway, okay. Ahem, ahem, skipping all of this. So there's how uh, uh da da da. However, there has always been a contradiction at the heart of my love for period pieces. As a queer woman, I have rarely seen the type of love story I could relate to reflected in them. This all changed with the release of Gentleman Jack, and watching the second season this past spring with my wife was a tremendous joy. I was disappointed to see that while the television's blog addressed Gentleman Jack, the podcast did not. I completely appreciate that on the podcast you have limited space and time, and not every show makes it on. At the same time, I felt let down that such a popular, diverse, critically acclaimed show about a fascinating and groundbreaking woman didn't make the cut. Especially considering you had time for The Time Traveler's Wife, which isn't technically a British story, and from what I heard from your review, wasn't very good. You are correct. It was not very good. You are also correct that we probably should have made time for that show. Anyway, uh, my request is twofold. Moving forward, please try to showcase diverse and new content so I can reach a wider audience. Second, please at least mention Gentleman Jack in your year in, in a year in review type show, as I know you do these frequently. There has been no mention of a third season so far, so I hope that if you can help introduce your audience to the show, increasing viewership may prompt a third season. Who knows, but I am an eternal optimist. Number one, Rachel, thank you for your thoughtful note. You are 100% correct on all those observations. And we will try to do better. Secondly, Gentleman Jack. Gentleman Jack is such a fascinating, like, just a story of for a TV series. I had never heard of Ann Lister until this show. Which, by the way, I guess we should do a quick little summation here for the people that don't know. Gentleman Jack is about a real-life woman named Ann Lister who was, um, I don't even know how to describe all the ways that she was, like, groundbreaking. She was basically an out lesbian who married a woman in the 1700s, I think. Uh, in uh, in in the in the in in the Regency period. Um, so basically, uh, basically, she was an out and proud lesbian who uh, was a uh, who uh, she was a landowner and an industrialist, and she um she was not trans, but she dressed in um, her sartorial choices in the show are on point. Um, she dressed she dressed in masculine clothing, even though she did not try to pass for a man. Um, and she had a wife whose name also, by the way, was Anne. Um, which makes it although little... I think one of them spells them without an e. One of them, I think, Anne Lister is without an e. No, Anne Lister and... is with the e. Uh, the, yes, I know. Um, and and Anne Walker here, her wife is without. Um, but in our in our recaps, we very deliberately <laughs> refer to Anne Lister as Lister and Anne Walker as Anne to try to keep them separate. Um, just to so so because you know when you're reading recaps, it can sometimes be really confusing when you talk about Anne and Anne. Um, I the this series was actually created by Sally Rainwright. She won a grant. Um, and this was the subject that she decided to basically cover, um, with the, she, she won like 30,000 pounds or something like that from, from, from the British, from the British Film Institute. And Sally Wainwright's range though. Her other big thing is like Last Tango in Halifax, which... Yeah, very different. And uh, basically, uh, 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 this is to me. This is also the show that sort of put Saran Jones on the map. Like I'd seen Saran Jones in other things, but seeing her in you this, shut your mouth. She's the TARDIS. I know, I know, she's the TARDIS. But also, like she, this was ba- this is basically like to me the show that really made her into a household name, or at least a household name in my house. Um, she's brilliant in it. I, it's one of those perfect mixtures of of actor and subject um like she like i read all these interviews with her where she about the way that she sort of 
uh, I, I, I think the real Ann Lister was very idiosyncratic in the way that she sort of presented herself, not just through like her, her styles of masculine dress, but apparently she like walked really quickly and had these elaborate hats and things. And, and Saran Jones really like watching her walk makes me tired. Um, the thing is, the the real Ann Lister kept very detailed, like meticulously detailed diaries that she wrote in code so that people couldn't take them and use them against her, in which she documented all of her love, uh, all of her love affairs, her 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 relationship with Walker, uh, and basically when this code was cracked um the there's this is basically like a historical document of what life was like for lgbtq people back in the time of bridgerton yeah apparently the code once you break it is kind of it's kind of racy yeah um and 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 as i said this i think there's like it, it literally millions and millions of world words it's a treasure trove of historical documentation and it's something you know we have this whole there there's sort of this idea in period pieces that i don't know black people didn't exist in england and lgbq people sprung fully formed in the 1960s like it really it's intensely frustrating <laughs> right and I, I i i get sort of why because history is written by straight white men that like this is that this is how this is when they broke through to sort of get people to pay attention but at the same time like having something like this having a document like this and having proof that 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 gay and lesbian and trans and 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 bisexual people existed all through history is so incredibly important to set the record straight and to to mm-hmm. give us a fuller picture of what the world was really like you know as much as i love bridgerton you know when it does these sort of like when it tries to do the sort of same sex storylines there's a there's a little bit of woo about it right and this is this is taking that I was going to say more i was going to say more like they have the guts to recenter the story around, um, uh, what is the word? South Asian, two South Asian women, mm-hmm. but they don't deal with any, like, I don't even know if the Raj existed right. in, in their world. Right. I think it also helps that Ann Lister's story is just really, like, ridiculously interesting. It is. Like, she seems like the most interesting person because the show. The show isn't just about the fact that she has, you know, a life lifelong attraction to women, a, a, a multi-decade marriage to a woman. Like, she is out, you know, a big part of the series is also her trying to revitalize her family's mining industry. And... Kind of like Poldark. Re- <laughs> Everybody is, again, also incredibly, like, not dirty, which... <laughs> they all have perfect I- teeth. I just am rolling my eyes, but I, but the way that, that she fights to be accepted as a landowner, as a businesswoman, as someone who was capable to do enough to do all these things that men do, it, it feels really groundbreaking because it was. And, and one of the other things about Gentleman Jack uh, is that it it's a little bit like Game of Thrones. There's a, there's a political angle that you can hook onto. There's a historical angle you can hook onto. There's a business story you can hook onto. There's a romance that you can hook onto. It, it is multifaceted. It is also one of the few shows that does the, the upstairs downstairs decently 
differently. Like it's no Downton in that. But what it actually does is it, it isn't afraid to show that Lister has real bigotries towards lower class people. Mm, and yeah. I re- And the fact that she's part of a marginalized group doesn't stop her from turning around and being discriminatory towards others. Yeah. Which I think is important because I think I think I think in our rush to try to be like these people were real and existed we want to idolize or sanitize their histories in some way and the show doesn't do that like i really don't like ann lister for a significant portion of the time (laughs) but like she's like i don't like her as a person Mm -hmm. but like her story is great she she treats her wife terribly sometimes oh wait can we just like i don't feel i know that everybody that talks about the show talks about sir ann jones which is totally 100% 100% deserves deserved. It's a great performance. She's a great actress. But I think the harder role is actually Sophie Rundle. Sophie Rundle as Ann Walker is just... Because, yeah. I've loved her. I've loved her for so long. She was in... Um, she's in... She's the Ada Shelby in Peaky Blinders, which is where I first saw her. And we'll talk about Peaky Blinders in a minute. But uh, I remember her most clearly from this period drama called Jamestown, which mm. is incredibly bad, but amazing. Like it's it's just like not at all historically accurate, really. But also, I could it was like watching a train wreck. I couldn't stop. It's so good. Um, just uh, speaking of Sophie Rundle, uh, just to mention some of the other like supporting actors in this, uh, in this are are well known to PBS viewers. Amanda Bulmore was in uh, Vienna Blood. Um, Gemma Whelan is a uh, is of course from uh, uh, Game of Thrones. Gemma Jones, uh, Timothy West, uh, Sean Dooley. Like these are all all like you will recognize like most of the supporting cast and yeah i know i do to rachel's point i do feel like this is a show that i think a lot of how shall i say this maybe like more strictly traditional period drama fans would not sample because it seems you know it's it's it is a little it's pushing boundaries it's pushing boundaries and it's like redefining what we expect this genre to be and do but the thing is that it is it's a it is a regular period drama in virtually every way and it's not really like, and I know, I know some people uh, of my mother's generation, shall we say, are are concerned that shows like this are are sort of preachy or weird in some way. It's not. It's just such a good show. Um, speaking of Peaky Blinders, um, that Peaky is Blinders. Peaky Blinders debuted their last debuted its last season. Um, originally it was supposed to go for seven seasons, um, but due to pandemic delays and so forth, they decided to take it down to six with a movie. Um, there is a movie coming, which I assume is going to cover some of at least some of what the seventh season would have covered. Um, you really love Peaky Blinders, so I'm going to let you talk about season six. I do love Peaky Blinders and. I've I've written about the final season elsewhere, but um, I don't know. It's so like I really am. It's it's so weird watching Peaky Blinders right now because in a lot of ways Tommy Shelby is one of the last holdovers from the big sort of anti-hero peak TV boom, and it's really like he, he's very much that sort of tortured man torn between two sides of his nature. Once he's done doing all these terrible things for one more time, he can lay the burden down and rest. And it's really like it's a different sort of TV environment now than it was when the show started. But I don't care. I still love Tommy. I love the Shelby clan. The season is really um, it's good. I enjoyed it. 
there are two things that are slightly problematic about it. One of them is the fact that we all know there's going to be a movie. So it doesn't necessarily lend itself to a lot of closure that feels final. There are some things that happened in the last episode that I actually would have been 100% fine with being the end of Tommy's story and the end of the Shelby family story, but I already know it's not. So the season exists in like a weird kind of liminal space where it's the end, but we all know it's not the end. And there's some things in it that happen that are so clearly like set up for the movie, including the introduction of like a long lost Shelby relative that you're just like, this is eye rollingly obvious, but the actors are all incredible. The other problem is, and it's it's not really a problem so much as that it's just a tragedy, is that this season is indelibly impacted by the loss of Helen McCrory, who passed away in early 2021. And the show does its best to sort of uh, restructure itself around the hole that, that Polly Gray would have filled in this story. It doesn't it doesn't really get there, but like, how can it? I mean, Polly was such a just sort of transformative character on television. She was such an integral piece of what made this show work. Like it do- it really does try its best to sort of honor Polly's legacy in this, in this last run of episodes. But I mean, there's just, it's, there's a hole. So it's hard. It's, it's hard because I can't, part of me is like, Oh, I can't help thinking about like what this final season would have looked like with Polly in it. And that kind of breaks my heart. Mm. R.I.P. Helen, miss you. Um, I also wanted to uh, talk about a few shows. Um, you know, most of what we've talked about now. You know, P. Blenders is on Netflix. Um, uh, Gentleman Jack is on HBO Max. Um, AMC Plus has been sort of trying to break through. Um, and we we talked about and they do have like, they do have a surprisingly like solid amount of british content i think it's just really hard for people to find it yeah um we talked about ragdoll because we were sort of looking we were sort of curious about it um we talked we talked about kin last year which yeah. i loved and did get renewed um there there were several um things that came out this spring that were all on amc plus and or Sundance Now and or both. Um, one was 10%, which is a remake of a Call My a- the French Call My Agent, um, which is is very cute. And if you've never seen the French Call My Agent, you would probably love it. Um, they also had uh, the uh, Ipcress Files, um, the Ip- excuse me, Ipcress File, um, which is a remake of the 1960s Harry Palmer uh, movie franchise as a TV show starring Joe Cole, who's also from Peaky Blinders, um, and Lucy Boynton. And I I really, you know, as somebody who's kind of our mystery thriller person, I actually thought it was quite good. Um, much better than I was expecting. Um, I remember the Michael Caine, Harry Palmer things, and they always seem sort of like a an they they were an also ran James Bond thing that were sort of like Wait, this is the one that I keep spelling the title wrong. Yes, right? this is the one where we keep spelling the title <laughs> wrong because because you want it you want it to be ip you want it to be ick press because press is at least a word and it's not. It's ipcress. And it stands for something ludicrous that I don't remember what it is off the top of my head now. This is like when we all used to watch Agents of Shield and we tried to remember what the shield stood for. It was exactly. like strategic homeland something something. Yeah. No, it, it it stands for it stands for whatever it stands for because they wanted it to be Ipcress. Um, but you know, honestly, I mean, which would be one thing if that was a real word. Like at least I got it when they did it for Agents of Shield because they were like, let's fix some letters that spell Shield. I don't even what is 
Ipcrest even it, a word? No, it's not. It's from it. This the books that it's Sorry, based guys. on. These are from, the th- these are the things that like sort of worm their way into my head, and I can't get past them. Um, this is based on a the the series of books that's based on were from the late 1950s, early 1960s, where these sorts of uh, alphabet soup things that sound mysterious but have no meaning were were big. Um, it basically Harry Palmer is supposed to be sort of the working class James Bond, working class answer to James Bond. I never really liked the movies, but I thought that the TV show actually did quite a good job with it, and I was very impressed. Um, but the thing I was most impressed from uh, AMC Plus this this first half of the year was this is going to hurt which is a ben wishaw um my favorite um this is by adam k who wrote the book that this is based on and the book okay adam k people might know as a comedy writer in the uk before he was a comedy writer he wanted to be a doctor and he worked on the obstetrician ward and basically it was so hellish as a junior doctor and he went through so much trauma that he basically like quit and and went into comedy because he simply couldn't take it he basically broke after one too many mothers and babies died um this is his autobi this is sort of his his, his fictionalized autobiography um ben Wishaw plays adam um a junior doctor on the obstetrician ward um who basically is it, it's funny because if you don't laugh you're going to cry and it's it's so well done so many of these sort of dark comedies don't hit the notes quite right and you know we all know ben withshaw is sort of this dramatic actor um i will ne- it's also i think a really um dicey time to be trying to ad- introduce dark comedies about the healthcare industry yeah um especially but you know this uh, the book when when he when he wrote the uh, when Kay wrote the autobiography his his autobiography fictionalized autobiography he did it as a protest for the way that people were were talking about NHS doctors and junior doctors as sort of these as as these leeches that are that are that are gaming the system and he wanted to set the record straight and basically this the the show is sort of the same sort of protest in the same way um and I I, I really I if if there is any show on AMC Plus that you want to sa- that you are going to sample um this year i really feel like it should be this is going to hurt wow not your normal lane either no and not my normal lane either it was just it was that good i really genuinely loved it and yes i love ben wishaw his richard ii was revelatory and i will never see anyone else in that role i love him in literally everything He's also the voice of Paddington, so what more do you want? <laughs> oh, and Harriet Walter is in it, because of course Harriet Walter is in it. Um, and um, uh, Ambika Maud is the uh, trainee that he works with, and she is a breakout. This is her breakout performance. If she doesn't become a big star from this, I don't even know what to do. Oh, Alex Jennings is also in it. Like, there's just, there's she just, is in everything right it's now. It's so good. Like, it's just, it's so good. <laughs> um, speaking of things that I was surprised by how good they were, um, let us talk for a second about the comedy that came to Amazon Prime this spring called The Outlaws. The in a in a rare story of the pandemic not screwing everything up because they went into lockdown right when the season was starting to film. Stephen Marchant, who's one of the stars and also one of the writers, basic or maybe the only writer, I'm not sure. Basically, like used his lockdown time to write a second season, which they filmed back to back for the first one, and that one will be arriving later this summer. Um. It's basically, how do I describe this? It's basically, it's a very 
weirdly heartwarming story about these seven strangers picked to live in a house. Not really. <laughs> um, seven strangers sort of picked to do community service together. And they're all, you know, they're all in... They're all in for various petty crimes. Like one of them was sort of forging checks. One of them was shoplifting. One of them was arrested at like an activist function. And they're all very different archetypes of characters. Like there's the really staunch Tory. There's the liberal activist. There's the social media influencer. There's the shoplifting teen. And they all have to do this community service together. I know it sounds kind of like misfits, but there's no superpowers. And basically what happens is they find a bag of money in this building that they're cleaning out as part of their community service. And one of them is involved with how the money got there, but the others don't know it. And there's this whole back and forth while they all try to figure it out. It basically ends up being this really amazing, like really warm and caring found family story of all these misfit people who find something they've been missing in each other. And it's also hilarious. And there's crime. It's real. I wish I I watched it honestly because I was like, oh, this is only like five episodes. I'll just I'll just check it out. Because also, really, because Eleanor Tomlinson from Poldark is uh, one of the one of the outlaws, and it's oh, I'm surprised by how much I loved it. It's great. Um, let's see. Speaking of heartwarming, uh, I will return to Netflix for one more recommendation. Um, and this is in the romance <laughs> department. Um, and it, I, I'm recommending this partly because I desperately, desperately need Lacey to watch this. It's called. I don't even think this show is British. Um, it, no, this show is totally British. Is it? Yes. Yes, it's called Heartstopper. And it, I mean, I know it's a graphic novel, but that's all. Awesome. Um, it is. It is. Is it's a it's a it's a gay romance set in a UK school. Um, and uh, uh basically, uh, uh. Uh, uh, Joe Locke, um, who uh, uh, is a teen actor, um, uh, I think this is basically kind of like his big thing. This is like his big breakout role. Um, he plays uh, Charlie Spring, who is a, a, a basically a gay teen who's being sort of beaten up, um, and uh, he uh, he gets protected one day from a uh, by by Nick, an eleven year old rugby player who basically gets sat next to him and the two of them become fast friends and then they fall in love and um yasmin finney who we're all gonna see uh in doctor who's 60th anniversary is in it as well she's l argent this is her kind of breakout role um these are all based on a british writer uh alice osmond's uh web that started on tumblr and sort of just became popular and then it, beca- it became so popular that basically it got published and now it's been uh, turned into a streaming series i i just i love this show so much it's so cute it's like the heart eye emoji in television form um <laughs> I, I i know but it's like it is it is so it's so refreshing because it's not about like yes nick struggles with the idea of coming out as a rugby player but all but charlie's already out and it's not it, it's it's just as much about him and discovering that being out isn't 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 a magic isn't isn't magic but, a panacea is, I think, the word you want. Yeah, and 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 it it, it it just it really represents the LGBTQ community so well, 
And it's so adorable and it's so sweet. It's basically like a Bridgerton for that that that's that's modern day and LGBTQ and adorable and lovely. And I I just I'm sorry, I've said adorable like ten times. Oh You really a, have. And Olivia Coleman is in it as Nick's mother. Oh, I love her. Um and I know, I keep meaning to watch it because I've heard nothing but good things. And also apparently it's only like four hours long, which in this economy, heck yes. Yes, it is it is eight half hour installments. I swear to you, when it got assigned to me last minute, I thought I was about to lose a day and I was done by lunchtime. Um, it is a it is it is just great. And it is it if you need something to just make you feel happy and bubbly, like or if you need like the the same hit of like endorphin happiness that a romance book gives you, this is perfect. Oh, speaking of romances, I will pick for my last. Well, actually, I have 1.5 things because the other thing I'm going to talk about isn't actually really that good. But I feel like I should tell you people that because it's got somebody in it we like. Anyway, my romance pick is season two of Starstruck on HBO Max, which came out maybe a couple of months ago. What is time? But I feel like Starstruck is such an underrated, underwatched gem. It is it is a British rom-com about... A millennial girl named Jessie who lives in London and she hooks up with this guy on New Year's Eve and she ends up really liking him and then she finds out that he's like a world famous movie star. So they have to try to navigate whether or not they really want to try to like make a relationship work. And the second season basically picks up from the end of the first season, which sort of ended with the grand romantic gesture. Like Jessie decides not to go home to New Zealand to stay in London and try to make it work with Tom. And then the second season is basically like the show trying to figure out what comes after that. Like, how do you how do you sort of integrate people into your real life in not a fairy tale way and not a big rom-com gesture way? It's still hilarious. It's still really, I'll use an Annie word, adorable. The cast is great. It's really funny. It's so good. I want more people to watch it. Just go watch things on HBO Max is what I'm saying. <laughs> It's amazing how much good stuff is on HBO Max that they don't market well enough. No, I, I'm really, I'm really hoping that the merger with Discovery Plus fixes that because Discovery Plus knows how to like market. My <laughs> other quick comment is, I feel like I need to support the Essex Serpent just because it's Apple TV's first like period drama, and I want people to watch it so it does well and they make more. And it's got Tom Hiddleston in it, who let me tell you, a looks great, b has an incredible way of array of knitwear throughout this this series um looks wonderful did i say that um but it's uh, it's a little boring it's a little um, slow it, 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 they really changed the ending somewhat from the book well they didn't really but they added something onto it that i don't i don't super like uh but like i said he looks great great knitwear i feel like i should support apple in making period pieces because they have money to make them on a scale that i want to see so yay apple I I I absolutely admit that I watched the Essex Serpents for Tom Hiddleston in sweaters. I absolutely did. I, the the clothes in this are. I mean, like Claire Danes, who was also no slouch in this. She looked great. She was great. She was a really like. I haven't seen her do a whole lot since Homeland ended, and mm-hmm. this was really just a departure from from what was her name in Homeland, Carrie, mm-hmm. and it was very much a departure character wise from that. Uh she also had some great knitwear. There's just re- like the the costuming department on point. 
Uh, speaking of Apple TV Plus, their other British show that they have right now is uh, Slow Horses um, with Gary Oldman. And this is- I tried that and it's very slow. <laughs> yeah, that's even that is also very slow. Um, it is kind of funny if you if if you give it a chance, it does get better. But you have to be sort of aware. I do always support Kirsten Scott Thomas and anything she chooses to do. Yeah, and 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 it is it is an adorable. It, it is it is a it is a funny comedy when it finally gets moving. But it does take a really long time to get moving. Um, that being said, it has already been like uh, renewed through season four. Yeah, so, so strap in. Yeah, and honestly, considering as you said, Apple TV Plus is you know deep, deep coffers here. You know, if they really set their hand to UK programming, this they could really give us. You know, they've given us Dickinson, they've given us Ted Lasso. Let's get some real British content going now. I know, I do feel like they are like inching toward that and and I want to push them more towards that. I just I really wanted the Essex Serpent to be better than it was. I know. Anyway, this is not our half year disappointment. Nope. But that's in there. Um, so just before we uh, sign off, is there what are you looking forward to in the second half of the year? Just just name Oh gosh. Um that's a great question. I can answer if you if 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 you need a minute. Okay, you answer and I'll I will see what I, I am. Can. I am looking forward. I have all, I have the date of October sixteenth, uh, basically circled on my calendar. Oh, all ladies, all ladies, all the time on masterpiece. Miss Scarlet, Magpie Murders, and Annika back to back to back. I am here for Miss Scarlet season two. I am here. I am for actually new- really looking forward to Miss Scarlet season two. I am really here for Magpie Murders and the 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 Le- and the Leslie Manvillesance, and I am here for Annika because I loved Unforgotten. And you know, I I know that the reviews in the UK weren't great, but I don't care. I will I will <laughs> I I will keep honestly like I will happily watch that. This is this is this is three hours of my lane every week for six weeks, starting in mid October, and I hope you all join us for that. <laughs> I am very much looking forward to uh, to Miss Scarlet season two, and I don't I know Magpie Murders is not gonna entirely be my lane, but I also support Leslie Manville and whatever she chooses to do. Speaking of, speaking of which, I'm really stoked for. Her uh, Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. Oh, yes, that's a great I saw a preview for that in front of the Downton Abbey movie, and it honestly just looks it looks so cute. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm really looking forward to season two of The Outlaws, which is surprising to me, given that I didn't think I was going to like it at all. But I'm like, I can't wait to watch the second season. Um, oh, I know, uh, I hate Susie is coming back. I think I think at Christmas, maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that means it's going to come to America at Christmas, but I'm going to pretend. Because I thought that series was amazing. And they're bringing it back for a second season, which they are calling I Hate Susie 2. Like the word T-O-O instead of like season two. And that just kills me. I don't know why. Um, I also, um, uh, we should also mention that The Crown season five starts. Uh, they they haven't actually given a date yet, but I believe it's going to be November when The Crown returns. And this is going to. Seriously? Yeah. And this is this is going to be Amelia Staunton um, as. Oh, as love her. And, uh, and, and, and Elizabeth Debicki being allowed to be as tall as she is um, as Diana. I support that as tall supremacy as I am also a tall. I have to make a confession, and I am so excited for this, and I don't know if it's going to be any good. In fact, I'm actually kind of expecting it to not be good. <laughs> but 
The CW <laughs> is going to air this August, I think. Yep, August. Um, um, a show called Leonardo, starring Poldark's Aiden Turner, about Leonardo da Vinci, and I truly cannot wait. Uh, I am here for it. it, it instead of being the half naked sky, I think it'll be the half naked painting. <laughs> I'm, I'm here for it. I don't. I mean, maybe he's gonna. Maybe he needs to like paint without a shirt on. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how his muse works. <laughs> I'm just saying. I don't know. I'm very like. I can't. Part of me can't decide whether I'm more like. Oh, it's on the CW. Okay. Although I say that as somebody who loves the CW and watches a lot of their programming, Rain was great, even though no one was wearing headbands and strapless dresses and in. in um, the French court of Mary, Mary Queen of Scots era, but it's fine. I have to admit that I'm sort of waiting for the CW to be broken up because it's half owned by Paramount and it's half owned by Warner Media. And at this point, it it's sort of this it's sort of like this 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 child of divorce. Um, and I'm uh-huh. I, I I'm really waiting for one of the two channels to accept that this isn't going to work and sell it to the other and and take back its content. Do you know what I also thought of? This has nothing to do with the CW, but I feel like as somebody who literally owns a lot of this paraphernalia, I feel like I should say I'm excited for Jodie Whittaker's last Doctor Who. Oh, yeah. That's happening. I'm really excited for the 60th. And I I'm know. like, I guess we have to watch this first. <laughs> we'll make it and we'll be fine. I'm just curious to see if they're actually going to do a Christmas special or not. Or New Year's Day special or I whatever think it is. So. I, th- I truly think it's just they're going to regenerate and then they're going to take a break for a year. I just don't see why they would. I don't see why they would bring in a new doctor uh, for one adventure before all this business with like whatever's happening with David Tennant and Catherine Tate. You know, if 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 it was the BBC still producing, I would absolutely disagree. But the fact that Doctor Who is now basically owned by Sony um, and being run by Bad Wolf means that it's no longer beholden to those holiday things that the BBC sees is so important and i think that that may actually be part of why we might we don't get one and i actually wonder if it might be the death of the holiday specials i don't think so russell was always into the holiday specials he was his were always but- on like he, his was well actually no that's not true he was always into a christmas special that aired on christmas day yeah um is that our show are we done looking forward and backwards i think so I know that the minute we stop recording, I'm going to be like, oh, no, wait, I was desperately looking forward to this other thing. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, we will have more episodes to talk about more things, including the things that I have forgotten. So <laughs> let's just call it. And Annie, tell the people where they can find you on the Internet. You can find me at Annie Bundle on Twitter. You can find me at Miss Annie Bundle on Facebook. You can find pictures of my very fuzzy cats at Annie Bundle on Instagram. I am a staff writer Elite Daily and the associate editor here at Televisions. And you can find all the stuff that I've been freelancing around the web by following me on Twitter because that's basically where I retweet all of my bylines. And that way you can know what I've written about this week. Huzzah. I am Lacey MB on Twitter. That is L-A-C-Y-M-B. And I write a lot here at Televisions and around the entertainment web. But I, too, always tweet my bylines and that's how you can find out what i've been writing about but if you don't want any of that and just want the british stuff the site and the pod are on social media at television's blog all one word on facebook 
Telly underscore visions on Twitter. And you can listen to this podcast on WETA's YouTube channel at WETA PBS. Uh, we're also on Spotify. Did I know that? I don't know that I knew that. We're on Spotify. Put us put us on your likes or however Spotify does that. We would also love your comments and ratings on the podcast app of your choice. Because the last time I looked, someone was being really mean to us. And that made me sad. So somebody please go leave me a nice comment so that I don't have to be sad anymore. How's that for pandering, y'all? <laughs> <laughs> Televisions is a product of WETA. And if you like we do, you can visit us at televisions.org and click on the donate button up top to help us keep making all this great content for your eyes and ears. You will also be able to get access to PBS Passport, which has just a bajillion exclusives and early access opportunities for the content that folks like us care about this summer and into the fall, including Hotel Portofino, the new season of Endeavor. Uh, Cobra season two doesn't even air until next month, but it's already on Passport. Just tons of stuff. Go, go searching and enjoy. That concludes this rambling exit interlude for the week thank you rachel for your really thoughtful and great email if you guys would also like to direct what we do like the pup masters you are you can send us an email at televisions at weta.org and maybe we will i don't know fulfill your request on air or read your email or send cat pictures actually yes she's right please send us cat photos for our newsletter we have a newsletter you can subscribe to that on televisions.org too thanks for listening everybody i hope uh Everyone's summer's going well. You're being safe. You're taking some time off. You're enjoying the oppressive heat that appears to have blanketed our nation. And we'll see you next week. Thanks. <laughs>